Mr. Today on News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. And it is already the third Friday of the month, and that means the MedCityMovieGuy.com is with us, Chris McSannick. Hey, Chris, good morning. Hey, greetings, greetings. Hey, before we get too far along, I wanted to congratulate you on your 40-year anniversary at KROC. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm a little long in the tooth as well. You know, I did the first yeah. Movie Guy spot at uh, in 2008, so... That's, yes, uh, that's that's. I guess we pat ourselves on the back. Uh, <laughs> it's the only way we can get past the fear of time flying by so fast. <laughs> but I think it's a it's a testimonial that you know just good, honest, you know, local commentary and 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 perspective is is valued, right? I mean, that's that's a testimonial that there's still hope. <laughs> there's still there's still hope. Yeah, Kim David, uh, he is forty five years in, or just about forty five years. Oh wow. Um, so he, uh, he's longer in the tooth than I, and, oh, wow. uh, yeah, it's pretty, it's a pretty rare situation where the two of us together have combined 85 years experience. That, that's a magnificent number. Yeah. And it's a or testimony scary <laughs> or scary. Yeah. I think it's a couple of different things. I think, you know, there's still, um, people who are happy with what they're doing and there's a sense of loyalty, I think. And, uh, yeah, it's. I think it's a good thing. We both have, uh, as they call it, deep roots in this community. So, well, that's the that that's the thing. Big yeah. difference. Yeah, yeah, it does. It does when it comes to local perspective and all that institutional knowledge. You know, a lot of times, <laughs> no, it's what they, this is what they call it. So, a lot of times when we talk about you know topics, things that were filmed here or there, it's like, oh, I remember that very well. <laughs> that's important. Oh yeah, I remember when that used to be. Yeah, that kind of thing. Right, but right. we're here to talk about the big screen, the silver screen, the That's movie right. magic. And, and we're going to uh, start out. Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, apparently there's a lot of magic with a film that is filling seats. It is. Well, there's a lot of good reasons for that, right? So we had a couple of years where, you know, the films weren't coming out. People weren't going out. Uh, things were streamed. Things were streamed and in the big theater and people per- preferred stream but you know now we're seeing a couple of films coming out that are that are only on the big screen at least at first which is a good thing because like you said it's a the theater experience is something that you can't really replicate at home and uh one of the movies that that works works very well on the big screen is uh, top gun maverick that's the uh the sequel to 1986's top gun um 36 years ago. There you go. It seems like just yesterday. <laughs> just, yeah, it does. There's another example. Yeah. So so this one works for a lot of reasons. Um, I, I, I called it the film that we need right now. I mean, this is a uh, unapologetic, I, I wouldn't call it necessarily patriotic, but there's no, you know, wokeness in it at all. It's just a good old fashioned film, um, adventure film, great great film I, I think i heard somebody say that might have been an imax version of it as well but there's wow. just you know the flight scenes are intense um and it's just it's just kind of everything i think we we always liked about films uh uh and again 1986 that's that's a hard that's a hard one to go back to um very very few nostalgic throwbacks this one has a cameo by uh, Val kilmer which is getting a lot of press um some movie buffs will will remember sadly that Val Kilmer had uh, is having some health problems um and he doesn't actually even speak anymore um so i uh, so the way i understand it they did some uh 
artificial, you know, CG, not what we call CGI, because I think it was just audio, but they, they synthesized his voice for the, for the few lines he has. So it's a f- kind of a fun callback to see Iceman, you know, back again. <laughs> so um, how has the actor that, of course, is the center of all this, how well is he? I mean, he's my age for crying out loud. <laughs> is he able to pull it off? Well, so, you know, I think that's, you know, like anything else, that's the key is um, does he look, um, uh, that's what I'm, 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 I'm stretching here. Uh, does he look like he could still do it? Okay. Yeah. Um, talking about Tom Cruise, of course, but, um, and of course he is older. Um, he's actually aged pretty well, I think. <laughs> um and, uh, you know, he's known for a lot of his roles when he was younger, but he's not, he hasn't, he isn't, he doesn't look or act as old as he probably really is. So in this film, you know, the plot line, and I'm not giving away any spoilers, but, you know, he's, he's kind of been on the outskirts. He's got his own little business far, far away from, from the force. Um, and, uh, he gets, you know, called back for this mission and, uh, he, he can pull that off. You know, I thought that there were a lot of nods to, um, another great film called the color of money. This was the, uh, Martin Scorsese directed, um, Paul Newman and, as a matter of fact, Tom Cruise as well, where Newman is kind of a little bit like the hustler. It's basically that character, uh, Fast Eddie, who's who's aged and now he's dealing with the new generation of hot shots, right? Is he too old? Is that dog can that dog still hunt and all that sort of thing? And I saw some parallels, uh, you know, maybe maybe partly because it's still Tom Cruise, but even in the plot where, you know, they they bring Tom Cruise back, but it turns out not not to fly but to teach. Is to teach the new cocky young guys, right? So um, I think it's a really neat twist, that alone. Um, and one of them is uh, the character's name is uh, Rooster. And that's um, um, Goose, Goose's son. <laughs> I oh, thought really? they should have called him Gosling, but it was Rooster. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the notion is that, you know, the, the son is still blaming. I'm not sure how much you remember from the original, but the son is still blaming the Tom Cruise character Maverick for his sure. father's uh, death. So um, so there's a little bit of acrimony there that they have to solve. And the mission itself, it, to me, it, it was also reminiscent of Star Wars where, you know, they had to fly this really complicated uh, path, you know, to to to. Uh, to bomb basically to take out this uh, uranium enrichment uh, site in presumably Iran, for example, and they have to navigate this, you know, this little trench and these steep climbs and things like that. Kind of like when they, when they finished off the, uh, in, in the first Star Wars, you know, they had to find that little niche where uh, there was a vulnerability. So that was kind of neat. So I think, I think the movie worked great on the big screen and it really is made for the big screen. So it's the kind of film where, you know, if there's one movie you see this year, this is the one because you really do have to get in a theater seat to appreciate it. That's a pretty high recommendation for you. From you, I mean, the, usually we don't talk about the blockbusters on this program, and for you to want to bring up the blockbuster movie of all time is uh, pretty significant. Well, yeah, and and you're right because normally, as as I've always said, you don't need me to talk about the latest Marvel film because everybody's talking about it. But in this case, I think this movie represents more than just a, a good action film. As I said, this this period in our in our country, whether we're just you know we're 
we're sinking into a recession. Just we've been crippled by you know the the COVID thing. That this is really get out and experience things the way the way we did back when times were good. <laughs> Which back is in the good a, old days. Kind of a depressing twist. But I wanted to talk about 1986 for one other reason. Um, this this film came out in 1986, as I mentioned, and it was the number one top grossing film of 1986, which is a big testimonial. But the other thing I wanted to point out was that, you know, we talk about a lot of films at award season and and we wonder if, you know, how how great these movies are. You know, will they stand the test of time? Will we talk about them years from now? And and this was a year of, of a couple of films that really did stand the test of time and a couple that didn't. So the number two grossing movie was kind of a forgettable film, but it was fun in its time, Crocodile Dundee. Okay. Ah. Um, the number three one, it does happen to be one of those films we do talk about as a as an as an incredible film, Platoon. Okay, that came out in '86. Um, Karate Kid Part Two, not so much. Star Trek Four, not so much. Back to School, personal favorite of mine, filmed in Wisconsin, by the way. Um, but the other one I, I I wanted to tie in to an anniversary today, and that is '86 was also the year that Ferris Bueller's Day Off came out. Oh my gosh, okay. really? Right, and that and that, of course that that's a, that's a very quotable film it's a fun film to see over and over um but one of the things that i found a little intersection of is that this also today also marks this is the 81st anniversary of the passage of the smoot hawley tariff act so if you're a Ferris Bueller's Day Off fan, you'd know what that means because that's the the, the Smoot Hawley is what Ben Stein famously talks about in Ferris Bueller's Day Off when he's you know anybody Ferris anybody anybody <laughs> so so when you see that just keep in mind Smoot Hawley that's today and and this is uh, the anniversary of of, of that <laughs> so, so good good for that good for tariffs I guess yeah so that'll be a fun one so if you okay. haven't seen it you definitely want to see it. And one more Top Gun reference. I did see a really funny meme out on the interwebs. It showed a lake, and it showed two ducks in the lake. And then it showed, I cannot remember the actor's name, the original goose from the original movie. Anthony Standing Edwards. next to the duck in the lake, ducks in the lake. And uh, the caption was, only people in Minnesota would not get this joke. <laughs> I'm I'm guessing that's a duck duck goose, right? Duck um, duck goose, yeah. Yeah, Anthony Edwards, uh, good actor, but yeah. um, tragic, tragic in ER where he he died in season I think it was five, and and also in uh, died in uh, Top Gun. So we got we got to find a a good film with Anthony Edwards where he where he survives through the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we'll take a break and we'll continue talking movies with TheMedCityMovieGuy.com. It's Chris McSannick. I'm Rochester today. On News Talk 1340, KROCA, I'm at 96.9 FM. Are you planning a home improvement project or repair? Chris McSannick on Rochester Today. News Talk 1340, KROCA, I'm at 96.9 FM. I'm Andy Brownell. So some other big movies are coming out this summer. We're kind of getting back in the swing of things. Right. So another one that's opening today is, um, and it's only in theaters, uh, surprisingly, it's a, a Disney Pixar. It's uh, Lightyear, which is the uh, Buzz Lightyear uh, prequel or backstory, whatever you want to call it. And that's kind of unusual because Disney's been releasing a lot of stuff on the Disney Plus channel. But this one's only in theaters. Um, essentially, uh, a couple things a little bit controversial about it. One is that they, they don't have Tim Allen uh, voicing Buzz Lightyear. And, of course, Tim Allen 
was in his Buzz Lightyear. Um, and for whatever reason, they're they're going with uh, Chris Evans, who was uh, Captain America in the Marvel films. So there's uh, Patricia Heaton, who uh, was uh, uh, home on, on uh, the TV show Home Improvement, was uh, Tim Allen's uh, co-star. She's she said that you know that's unforgivable and all that. So um, not sure why why they're not why they're why they're doing it. I know that Tim Allen's been a little outspoken on the wrong side of the political spectrum, but you know that may or may not have something to do with it. But uh, hopefully, it's not going to be a you know a, a, a ruin the ruin the feel of it. It is of course a younger Buzz Lightyear, so so they may be able to pull it off, uh, and I think they will. Mm. Um, basically, the framing of this. Is that um, if you remember the Toy Story movie, uh, the the main character there, the kid, his name was Andy, and he's got two um, two toys that he likes very much, right? There's Woody, and then there's Buzz Lightyear. So the premise here is that um, the whole the whole reason that Andy in Toy Story is a fan is because he sees basically this movie. This is the movie that inspired the Buzz Lightyear storyline in Toy Story. So that's kind of the tie-in that they do. But but they totally make it a legitimate backstory. In this case, uh, Buzz Lightyear's exploring a, a planet and um, his vehicle, whatever, his spaceship is, is damaged and uh, they can't evacuate right away. They're, they're there building a colony for, you know, 50, 60 years. Um, and eventually uh, an evil Emperor Zerg in, in, invades the planet. Uh, that's the, the, the bad guy character. They they make a big bigger deal out of in Toy Story 2. Um, and uh, so, so there's that little contrast. There's a little, there's kind of a complicated twist in this one. Um, and I won't give that away. It's a spoiler, but I wonder if that's going to be too much for young minds to grasp so we'll we'll see how that one plays out because these films the pixar type films generally have such a broad appeal uh that that'll be interesting because early early reaction to this one is it's a little bit darker than a lot of the pixar material so we'll see where it goes um i did want to point out that the uh, gray duck theater uh is having some special shows of this movie uh that are going to be what they call family friendly so the volume is going to be a little bit lower for for what they call uh tinier ears and the lights will be on a little bit dimmer though for the little eyes so that they can see the surroundings not get freaked out so that's kind of a neat thing to do this the film's obviously shown at a lot of the theaters, but a little special deal at Great Ducks. So keep keep in mind that that's a, a great local organization. Great option as well. Yeah, and a great option. Um, I, I'm gonna. I haven't seen it, so I guess I better wait to pass judgment. I, but I still can't imagine uh, Buzz Lightyear not having the Tim Allen voice. Right. Right. It'd be like, it'd level it'd of be sarcasm like, that he conveys with that voice is is wonderful. <laughs> Yeah, there's a certain bravado in it too. That uh, yeah, that and, and plus, you know, the other thing is it's the predecessor, right? It's the first thing we heard, so everything is going to be measured against it, and uh, it's just other other people just go, I, I don't get it. Well, why not? Why wouldn't you do yeah. it? You know, or at least have a statement out that says, well, that he sounded different when he was younger. I don't know. <laughs> get on Twitter <laughs> and tell us for crying out loud. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> So the other film is probably the one I've been looking forward to the most for the longest time, and that's uh, Baz Luhrmann's uh, Elvis. Now, now, this director did uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's Great Gatsby, so it's uh, and that was definitely um, out there. I don't mean out there in a bad way. I mean as extravagant as you could imagine a film being. That was the Great Gatsby, and every review clip I've seen of this one suggests it is going to have the most incredible depth 
of a lot of movies, certainly Elvis type movies. Um, and the casting is is amazing. Tom Hanks is uh, Colonel Parker, but uh, and and I think I think when the movie was first described, it sounded as if it was going to be the Colonel Parker story, you know, of of Elvis. Yeah, but I remember really, you talking about. This. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, we made a big deal out of out of it, and and the Colonel Colonel Tom is certainly a a, a very rambunctious character um in in the saga but this definitely everything we're seeing now suggests this is elvis and it's parker's observing him and he's helping promote him but this is clearly elvis on a trajectory and the two most important most important testimonials come from the people who i think are closest uh to elvis one is priscilla presley was in tears at uh at Cannes at the film festival uh and um Lisa Marie, his daughter, said that, uh, and this is a quote, in my life, it's been one disappointment after another in terms of portraying her father, but this film finally got the story right. Wow. So, I mean, that those are some bold statements. Um, and I think there's going to be a lot more heart than, than Goofy Kitsch in, in this one. Um, so that'll be a fun one. And it's... Um, okay. Question for you about this. You had mentioned that the filmmaker was um, the great Gatsby filmmaker, but wasn't this also the La La Land guy as well? Um, or am I you, wrong? Um, I could I couldn't tell you. And and okay, I'm, I'm ashamed I to say. I, I saw no, no, that, the trailers. No, I don't think the, it was. I don't think oh, it was. Well, that'd be good. In my view, that'd that be would a good be thing. Good. Because <laughs> I when I was told that, I was like, yeah, oh, that kind of might wreck it for me. Then. Yeah. No. No. I think this. The other most significant thing. That, that that Baz Luhrmann did was um, the Great Gatsby, and yeah. Okay. So I'm 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 pretty clear on that. And, and as I said, I think this is gonna this is gonna really get people to be reacquainted with Elvis. You know, there's a couple different types of Elvis fans. I I'm kind of one of the the Elvis pop culture. So you know, you're fascinated by some of the goofiness that that he did, the Memphis Mafia, and the extravagance of his life. But then there's people who are really, you know fans of 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 the music more so i mean i'm I'm a fan as well but not not as much as a lot so i think there's a certain mystique that somewhere overlaps in sort of venn diagram and just like the movie walk the line i think did for johnny cash i think this one is gonna and look next month we could be here talking about how amazed we were that it didn't happen at all but i but everything is pointing in the direction of this this being a big time hit um, so i hope it is yeah so are we still several weeks away from the release of Elvis? Next Friday. Oh, just next Friday. Okay. Next Friday. Yeah, and oh, I have okay. a I have a screening on Tuesday before it, so I'll probably post a couple of couple of words on it uh, by then. So um, and and you know and there's there's actually a lot of the uh, Elvis uh, cast, his personal you know the the, the Memphis Mafia bodyguards the and things entourage. like that. The entourage, exactly. That are that that have characters in this film. So Red West, Sunny West. Jerry Schilling. These are some names. If you're a Elvis buff, you know Doctor uh, Doctor Nick. That's uh, his uh, personal uh, pharmacist, <laughs> which which was uh, which is spells something interesting. But yeah. So so the other thing I wanted to mention. I'm not sure how we're doing on time, but um, uh, I, I wanted to say in addition to this, I wanted to talk about some of the Elvis's connections to Minnesota. Okay. Um, okay, Chris. Why don't we do that right after the news break? But- perfect. That'll be, yeah, a perfect tease to get us around the corner. And we'll be back right after this quick news break with more of Chris McSannick, the MedCityMovieGuy.com.
I'm Rochester Today, News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. My name is Sheila Pappas, me and my husband. I'm Andy Brownell on News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. And I am super pleased to be joined by Chris McSannick, the MedCityMovieGuy.com. Before the break, you teased us that you have some Minnesota connections to the king. Also, <laughs> to the king, that's right. Well, first of all, if you take uh, Broadway South 63 and you go for about 700 miles, stay on 63, it will drop you off pretty much at the gates of Memphis. So that in itself is, is kind of a fun thing to do. I actually, we did that once. We drove all the way. Uh, well, we, we came back from Memphis up 63. So that's a doable. Um, it's right on the highway. Um, and I think that back in 1939, uh, or a little bit earlier, that's what Dr. Thomas Moore did. Uh, Moore was a uh, urologist at the uh, Mayo Clinic, lived uh, not far from Lord uh, High School. Um, and in 1939, he went down and he built uh, Graceland. So, you know, the, the mansion that's synonymous with Elvis, that second only to the White House, the house with the most visitors annually, uh, that was built by a guy who was a Mayo Clinic urologist. So that's pretty neat, if you ask that's me. That's a big connection. That's a huge connection. And uh, you can read more about that in my book called A Brief History of Graceland Farm. But that's I'm not here to plug anything. <laughs> I'll go ahead. Um, I don't yeah, know. okay. I guess I just did. Um, now, uh, in 2010... Minnesotans almost elected Elvis for lieutenant governor. Uh, there was a candidate named Todd Elvis Anderson. He was on a ballot under a perennial candidate named Old Savior. But uh, primary voters were cruel, and the pair received only 4,396 votes, <laughs> which in itself I think is, is something. Um, and here's one because you may, you may know this guy, but uh, – Living in Memphis in the 70s, a, a banker in Rochester named Al Menino. Have you heard that name? Oh, yeah. I know Al. Al trained at a dojo where Elvis frequently taught. And recalled, he, uh, Jeff Kiger at the PB and I, we went, to, we went to lunch with him one time. He recalled the, uh, the king as a serious and accomplished martial artist. Uh, the two met at a black belt ceremony. Uh, Elvis walked in wearing a magnificent gi and greeted each one of us. Hello, I'm Elvis Presley. Menino recalled, as if anybody didn't know who he was. <laughs> so that was a pretty neat thing to talk to him about. We we yeah. had a good conversation over lunch uh, about his uh, intersection with Elvis. Um, and the fourth one, and I was almost even embarrassed to ask, but um, uh, a lot of you might remember that uh, there was a, a famous hoax that Elvis faked his death. I don't know if you uh, if you remember that. And you know he was spotted at a Burger King in Michigan and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, one of the the hoaxes is predicated on a, a so-called secret last page of lab results uh, in the autopsy. And the uh, lab uh, results came from samples that were allegedly sent to the Mayo Clinic. I, I kid you not. Um, suspicious, oh, yeah. suspicious minds claim that based on the clinic's analysis, the samples could not have been Presley's. So that's kind of what they're saying <laughs> is the, the samples other than his were sent. Um, I actually did because that's what we do. Right. I contacted a Mayo Clinic spokesperson <laughs> who would not comment would. on specific lab results or whether the work was performed due to their commitment to privacy and Hippa. confidentiality. Uh, yeah. So I you can you know, but you don't know, but you have to ask anyway. So I like you got the suspicious minds reference in there. Oh, That's yeah. Probably yeah. 
One of my favorite Elvis songs. Yeah, yeah. Suspicious Minds is my all-time favorite song. Um, and I'm going to tell you something else. There was a song called Burn in Love, which I think everybody knows. It's sure. a great song. But I was uh, I had satellite radio for a while. There was an Elvis channel, and they were interviewing somebody, and they called out Elvis's drummer named Ronnie Tut uh, as his uh, tour uh, for touring. And, and uh, Burn in Love was one of the songs that you can hear Ronnie Tut drums very prominently that's not something i ever listened to the song and thought of but i listened to the song and i thought of the drum work while i was listening i said darn that is some pretty amazing drum work you know so the next time you listen to burn love listen for the drum lines and you'll you'll appreciate ronnie tut so all right elvis next has left has left left the station left the station (laughs) Another great Elvis tune. It's not, you know, he didn't make it a hit, but his version of it, I think, is probably the best, is Kentucky Rain. Kentucky Rain. That was uh, somebody famous. Mel Ronnie Millsap, uh, I thought. Ronnie Millsap, maybe. I'm thinking of who's the guy who did Lord, It's Hard to Be Humble. Um, oh, oh, no. Yeah. Um, oh, well. Okay. okay. It, It'll it, come it, to you about 3 o'clock in the morning. It will <laughs> it'll come to me two away. minutes after we exactly finish off here. <laughs> I just love Elvis's version of that song. That's all. I yeah, know. no, it's a good song. It's a good song. It's um... okay. So we're doing this show right before Father's Day weekend. So I kind of assumed that you would come armed with Father's Day or Father's themed movies for us. And you are correct, sir. <laughs> um, yes. And this year we're going to do something a little bit different. Okay. So the last couple of years we talked about the best fathers in the movies okay there was a survey uh and people voted for example clark griswold the best father second best mufasa um don corleone darth vader um you know things like that and we we've we've exercised that a little bit um but this year actually i want to i want to get a little zoom in a little deeper and say i think we're going to talk briefly about four of the best father relationships in films you know that okay. I think we're really, we're really touching. Okay, a, whether that's a strained relationship and they reconcile or whatnot, but just a good relationship. And the first one, no, no special order, but the the, the first one I think is Field of Dreams. Okay, so uh, that's a movie that most people probably saw but haven't seen maybe in a long time. Uh, the movie came out in eighty nine, nineteen eighty nine, um, and in this case, uh, the uh, Kevin Costner character, basically, you know. When his dad passed away, they they weren't they weren't really on the best of terms. Um, I think the father was a wannabe baseball player, and so he kind of pushed his son to do it, and that didn't work out. So his, the father died, and he never really I guess he never really felt he left it in a good place. And then he hears this sort of whisper, and this is where you know if you build it, he will come. So a lot of people say that. A lot of people you know meme it. But maybe they forget that this is where it originated, right? That if you build it, he will come. He will come. Yep. Right. So he builds in, in Iowa, the, the so-called field of dreams. And you can go down there. I've been down there in Iowa. It's a uh, baseball field in the middle of a cornfield, I suppose, right? And um, in this case, Shoeless Joe uh, appears. Uh, he was part of the uh, – the uh, Black Sox. The Black Sox, right? The the, the fixed World Series. And I'm I'm – Calling out Shoeless Joe because Ray Liotta, we lost him in you know the last week or so, and he was a 
an amazing actor. Actually, he was in some great films. So and, and TV, he was in. Uh, I think it was an Emmy nom, or I don't know if he won it or not. In uh, ER, he did a great job. Uh, but essentially, the, the whole point of this is that um, the Kevin Costner character gets a chance to reconcile and play catch with his dad towards the end, and it's it's just really a good story about a son kind of you know, in that relationship. And, you know, they're never perfect. You know, there's always those moments, uh, but you want to make sure you leave it on a, on good terms. So I think this is a really neat film because it, yeah. it closes the loop just right. Um, the second one I wanted to talk about is, was, was a, uh, award worthy film back in 97 that a lot of people may not have seen because it's essentially a foreign film. It's called life is beautiful. And it starred uh, Roberto Benigni, and I thought it got a couple of uh, award noms, but it, it's a very depressing film, but it's also a very uplifting film. In it, uh, so he's a comedian, a comedy, uh, he, I guess he directed it as well, but he's mostly known for comedy, um, uh, Benini. He, he plays a character who has a small bookshop, that part's not relevant, but him and his family are stuck in a concentration camp. And so his goal is to try and make his kids' life about as normal as he can. So even though they're subjected to this total parade of horrible things, he sees the kids and he tries to cheer them up and he does some really fun stuff to to kind of keep their spirits up and help them forget where they are and how bad it really is. So that's a really neat, uh, really neat. He would be on my list of top dads, but, you know. Um, uh, the other, the other, the other one that I like a lot. I didn't want to leave it on a, a, a sad note, so I'll get to the next one, which is a Disney movie called A Goofy Movie. This is 1995. Um, I think this is one of the most underrated father-son films out there. <laughs> uh, if, have you seen it? Goofy the dog, right? Oh, uh, so you know, Goofy's the dog. <laughs> I mean, well, Pluto's really the dog. I think Goofy's oh, okay. also yeah, but, Goofy, uh, Goofy's also a dog. But yeah. <laughs> so anyway, in this one, uh, he has a son, a young teenage son, and I think there was a, a there was a TV show, The Goof Troop, where this either spawned it or this was a consequence of it. But anyway, he's having some trouble with the kids. Kids starting to have his own life, and you know, the father feels like he's he's out on the the sidelines because the kids discovering all this new stuff, and he thinks the way to the reunite him is to take him on one of these road trips. And that's the last thing the kid wants because he's forced to, you know, leave his friends and things like that. And the Goofy's about as corny as you think he would be. And uh, there's just some really great bonding in the movie and some great catchy songs, funny tunes and things like that. So again, it's a great father son film. And the last movie, just so you don't think it's only about fathers and sons is a great father daughter film called paper moon. Oh, sure. And I think this was a, a another sort of award-worthy film back in 73, uh, directed by Peter Bogdanovich, who, you know, you hear the name a lot, but you always try to wonder, try to place him, things like that. So this is one of his big films. And in this one, this one's set during the Depression, and uh, Ryan O'Neill is basically kind of like a flim-flam con man, where he's – his business is he goes door to door trying to scam widows out of a few dollars. And um, he meets up with, with the Tatum O'Neill character, who's his real life daughter, obviously. And everybody insists in, in the film, that's his daughter. And he denies it up and down. And at some point um, she's supposed to have like $200. I don't remember if it was like a life insurance or some savings. And he cons everybody out of the money. So she insists that until he can repay her, 
she's going to stay with him, you know, and so they become a little father daughter uh, scam actors and things like that. But again, it's another kind of amazing bonding film. Uh, Madeline Kahn has a couple funny parts in it, yeah. but uh, that's a really neat picture. Yeah, yeah, it is. I, I remember that movie well. I'll throw one in there before we go to the break. Um, the Trouble with the Curve with Clint Eastwood and um, Amy, Amy Adams yeah. as his daughter and how they were able to reconcile and build a relationship later in life. I yeah, thought you, that you, was a neat one. Yeah, and you bring that up a few times. I know that's I do. I love that film. Favorites. Yeah, it's a neat film. Okay, we're going to take another quick break, and we'll be right back with more of the MedCityMovieGuy.com. Chris McSannix with us on Rochester Today. News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. This is the Family Service Rochester Mental... On News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM, I'm Andy Brownell with Chris McSannick, the Med City Movie Guy. And Chris, you and I have talked off the air. I'm watching a miniseries on one of the streaming channels called The Offer, which is about the making of The Godfather, which I'm enjoying immensely. And it kind of parts the curtain a little bit, and you see behind the scenes of the the magic of the movie business, especially back 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 in the day. This would have been what late sixties, early seventies, early seventies for sure. Seventy two, yeah, I think. Yeah. So I know you you kind of got a insider view of that process through your role as a critic. Do we have anything up and coming that's you're hearing about that's in the works? So, first of all, you're talking about the series on Paramount Plus, which I think yesterday they dropped the last episode of. Um, so, so now is my time to join up Paramount Plus. Oh, so you can binge it. <laughs> so I can binge it and then cancel my subscription. <laughs> okay, um, so we, we'll chat about this soon then. Yeah, yeah. And actually, there's a book I just read. I had bought it years ago, but it was sitting on a pile and I picked it up. It was It's called Hollywood Godfather. And it's uh, written by a guy named Gianni Russo, who is one of the characters. He plays Carlo, the uh, the, uh, the the daughter the daughter's husband that gets married in The Godfather. And he talks a lot about the origins of the film and working it because this guy, this guy claims he had some mob connections and he helped smooth the way um, when they made The Godfather. So I'll be interested to reconcile between this guy's claims in the book and what they say in the offer. So we will, this is something we will talk about again. But as for okay. films, as for films and filmmaking, um, yeah, there's there's a lot of complicated things with with financing and attaching actors and and you know things like that. So I I that I can't really speak to, but I do get I do get some clips about some things that are in the works, um, and I thought I'd share a few of those. Uh, and two of them I think we might have talked about before, but just as part of a bigger a bigger uh, selection here. One of them is um, they're talking about making a uh, biopic about vanilla ice. And, uh, (laughs) and I think the reason it hasn't made it made it yet is because they couldn't find just the right actor, but Dave Franco is, is uh, attached to that. And I think we can expect that soon, but I don't know when, but, uh, but I'm intrigued. Okay. Um, Okay. The other one, I don't know if that's going to make my list. (laughs) Oh, Oh, you'd be surprised. The other one is they're talking about a Hulk Hogan biopic and the actor, and it must be in the works because the actor, uh, Chris, Chris Hemsworth, who's a very good actor, um, he's looks amazing as Hulk Hogan. There's a few 
promo pictures that have floated around him in his wrestling garb with the with the mustache and all that stuff. So um, I can't I can't not think of Rocky three when I when I see Hulk Hogan because there was a <laughs> yeah because Hulk Hogan was like twice as big as Stallone it seemed like in that movie. So that was pretty neat. Uh, another one they're working on uh, Shia LaBeouf is. Uh, in the works on a St. Padre Pio film. And that's, I think that's kind of interesting because he's actually a pretty big name. And um, usually for these faith-based type movies, well, of course, you know, we, we saw, you know, Father Stu the other day, but um, usually we don't see big names attached to these faith-based things. So Shia LaBeouf is, uh, well, well that, that, ought to, that alone ought to kind of amplify it a little bit. Um, now, this came up a couple of years ago, but there was talk about remaking The Exorcist, and I I don't understand why you would, but they're they're working on Universal has put four hundred million dollars towards uh, a trilogy of The Exorcist, and Ellen Burstyn's going to be returning. So, you wow. know, she was she was uh, Reagan's uh, mother in that one. Um, also glad to see that uh, there's a Pam Greer uh, biopic coming out, and uh, it's going to be. Um, a Spike Lee directed film, so that'll that, be. That Pam sounds Greer. like. Yeah, that sounds like that could be really good. Yeah, because she's had. I I read her book. It's called My Life in Three Acts. Um, so she was Foxy Brown, obviously, and Jackie Brown, one of my favorite films. So I think that'll be in itself. That'll be interesting. The one here's one that I'm looking forward to. Uh, an actor named um, uh, Joseph Gordon Levitt, and his the name may not pop into you, but you you've seen him a million times. Most recent, well, not most recently, but most favorably, in my opinion, was a movie called The Walk, where he was the, did the walking, balancing tightrope between the World Trade Towers. He played a character called Philippe Petit. Anyway, there's they're they're working on. I think it's a mini series. It might be a just a full length film on Johnny Carson. It's like why haven't we had a Johnny right. Carson film, right? Uh, but we'll, we will have one. But most probably the most amazing casting is Daniel Radcliffe playing Weird Al Yankovic. Now you have to have seen this. Um, yeah, that's, I don't understand it. Radcliffe <laughs> with an accordion. I don't know, but they're going for it, you know, full, full, uh, full throttle on it. So we'll see what that happens. Uh, and the one that broke just yesterday, maybe it was, or this morning is there's a movie coming out next year called Barbie. All right. And it's like these living dolls. So and it's, Ken uh, is, it's what's her name? The, um, Margot Robbie. Yeah, Margot Robbie. Uh, I, I, I saw a piece about this. And and Ryan Gosling is Ken. So um, that's, I don't know what to say after that. But uh, And then the final one I wanted to mention was um, they finally have a, uh, a, a script they're working on for the Colonel Sanders story. So, um, of course, I love pop culture. So, you know, the, the, the McDonald's one with uh, Michael Keaton, I, I found fascinating. And this one I'm looking forward to as well. Um, apparently, okay. I, th- I think it's, I'm sorry. No, actually, I know a little bit about the story of Colonel Sanders, and it would make a great movie. I think it would, too, yeah. So there's a, uh, I guess his daughter penned a book called The Colonel's Secret, 11 Herbs and a Spicy Daughter, which I love that title. <laughs> That's pretty much what it's based on. Sanders himself wrote a wrote a book, uh, Life as I've Known It Has Been Finger Licking Good. He wrote that book. Um, and his book, though, it seemed to me was a large part of it was his sort of spiritual transformation. So it wasn't as much about it. It was a good part about it, obviously, as the restaurant. But yeah, the Sanders was kind of the Colonel Tom, I think, of his day. He was a big promotional. Uh, right. Uh, promotional guy and actually there's a very funny there was an old tv show i think in like the 50s and 60s called what's my line where people would you know the celebrities 
would, would ask questions and try to guess what somebody did. And he was, I guess, fairly unknown. And he actually appears. You can see it on YouTube. Uh, there's a Colonel Sanders on What's My Line. And I remember them just being amazed at this guy because he was such a such a character when he walked on. I mean, just commanded everybody's attention. And, yeah, he's let everybody know he had, I think, three or 400 restaurants at the time with his fried chicken, which originated, it really did, in Kentucky. It did. Uh, the, the story is it's an incredible story of how he started out. But uh, we're running up against a roadblock. The clock. Oh, the clock. The clock. All right. Well, it is what it is. I just wanted to get out there and say happy birthday to Greg Kinnear, who's a, a very good actor. He's been in a couple of good things. Autofocus was the sort of the Bob Crane story. Right. Fast Food Nation. And, of course, Little Miss Sunshine. That was a great movie as well. So he's uh, an actor you've seen, but maybe you don't recognize the name. All right, and by the time we chat again next time, I will have seen the Top Gun Maverick movie. I, All right. I better have seen it. Let's put it that way. Chris McSannick, thank you so much. TheMedCityMovieGuy.com. Be sure to go by the website and check out the reviews, and we'll, we'll do this again in a few more weeks. All right. All right. Thank you very much. It's Rochester Today on News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. We all hear the radio ads about the IRS.